So the past two weeks, we have seen Jesus making his way through the synagogues of Judea, specifically in the towns of Nazareth and Capernaum. People have been amazed and angered at what he has been teaching. Jesus' crowd and the venue are both a little bit different today. May we all have the response of Peter as we recognize and admit uncomfortable things about ourselves and experience the overwhelming grace and love of God for each of us. Our text this morning is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We read the word of the Lord. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let, your nets, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. And God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. How many of us consider ourselves skeptics? We hear something or we're told something and we can't help but bring a measure of doubt to the information that we're taking in. Being a skeptic is another way of saying that you are like a doubter, but a doubter with a cause. You have reason to doubt the information that you are being given. Studies say that more and more of us are turning into skeptics, turning into doubters with a cause. That we're having a hard time trusting the information that we are being given. Edelman, a leading global communications marketing firm, publishes a yearly trust barometer report. A recent report from 2018 shows a plummet in trust across the United States. And here's just a few of the high points from the report. Trust in the U.S. has suffered the largest ever recorded drop in the survey's history among the general population. Trust among the general population fell nine points to 43%, placing it lower in the lower quarter of the 28-country trust index. The collapse of trust in the U.S. is driven by a staggering lack of faith in government, which fell 14 from 14, sorry, which fell 14 points to 33%. 
Exactly half of those surveyed indicate that they interact with mainstream media less than once a week, while 25% said they read no media at all because it is too upsetting. And the majority of respondents believe that news organizations are overly focused on attracting large audiences, 66%, breaking news, 65%, and politics, 59%. Nearly 7 in 10 respondents worry about fake news and false information being used as a weapon. The United States is enduring an unprecedented crisis of trust said Richard Edelman, president of the CEO and CEO of Edelman. This is the first time that a massive drop in trust has not been linked to a pressing economic issue or catastrophe. In fact, it's the ultimate irony that it's happening at a time of prosperity with the stock market and employment rates in the U.S. at record highs. The U.S. is experiencing an unprecedented crisis of trust. This isn't a wild claim. We can look around us at the media we take in, the agendas that are being skewed, and we know it's hard to know who to trust. We've reached a point where it's arguably more responsible to be a skeptic, to doubt what we are being told, and to do the research ourselves. I came across this meme, and it just it fits so well. It just cracked me up because it hits a little too close to home. It reads... The news used to tell you that something happened and then you had to decide what you thought about it. Now the news tells you what to think about something and you have to decide if it even happened. That wasn't too funny too long ago. But it's funny now because we can relate to it. Because it hits a little too close to home. Doubting some things can be good. It can be responsible. It can be necessary. But doubt can also be a pit that we fall in. It can be a trap that that closes in around us and keeps us prisoner to its fickle whims. Doubt can cause us to think that God can't use us or, or won't use us because we just aren't worth the trouble. We don't have the abilities that that he needs to, us to have in order to use us effectively. You know, we've done the research. We know what the good gifts are. And we know we don't have them. So we, we doubt that we could possibly be of any use to God. We, we doubt ourselves. And self-doubt is debilitating. It's debilitating. I will never lose the weight I want to lose. I just... I just don't have the ability. How often does that mindset result in weight loss? I don't have the talent to play music the way that I wish I could or or sing the way that I would like to. How often does that mindset result in practice and improvement in the gifts that we've been given? I'm not smart enough uh, to get the grades that my friends get, that my, that my siblings get, or that my parents want me to get, that I even may kind of want to get. How often does that mindset result in academic success? I'm not gifted enough to be used in the ministry that God has called me to. How often does that mindset result in joining God's mission to bring about his kingdom? Any of us felt like this? 
And he just resonated. Any of us felt like Moses standing before the burning bush, laying out to God all the reasons that we can't be used. <clears throat> all the reasons that things aren't going to work out if he, call, if he does call us. All the ways that, that we're going to mess up his plans. Who am I? We ask God. Who am I? Self-doubt is debilitating. But how did that work out for Moses? Dude pled the case of the Israelites before the most powerful man of the time. With his stutter and all. And then Moses led his people through the Red Sea out of captivity. is considered one of the greatest heroes in all of the history and all of the Bible. We're still talking about him thousands of years later. So as debilitating as self-doubt is, when we're being called by God into his mission... Self-doubt has no jurisdiction. It doesn't get to make the rules. It doesn't get to influence the decisions. God doesn't care about how great you think you are or how worthless you think you are. He cares about you. And he wants to use you. And he will be your qualification for whatever ministry he has called you to. Self-doubt is debilitating until we lay it at the cross and let God use it as he sees fit. But it's not self-doubt that we encounter in our text this morning. This morning we encounter a form of doubt that, that shames us even more. <laughs> that we feel like disqualifies us even more than if we had just doubted ourselves for this morning we encounter, we come face to face with doubting God. Jesus has has been surrounded by the crowd. And, and so he gets into this boat. He sees the fishermen. They, they're just finished their fishing. They're, they're just finishing up. They're cleaning their nets, which is never fun from experience. I can tell you that cleaning nets is not exactly fun stuff. So they're doing that. And then and Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to take this boat out. And, and we're going to go out. And he uses the water as a natural amphitheater to be able to speak to the crowds. And then he, and then he tells Peter, all right, now we're going to go a bit farther out. And he takes Peter out. And he's like, all right, throw down your nets for a catch. And Peter's like, all right, okay. Now the nets that they're using, they're, they're linen nets. Fish can see these things. It's the middle of the day. Fish can see in water. Like that's something that they can do. And, and so Peter's like, yeah, okay. You know, like he says, master, because you want me to, I'm going to do it. I'm making sure that everyone knows this is your idea. I'm the professional. Like I know how this is supposed to work. So I'm going to make sure that everyone knows that you're the guy. So they, they throw the nets in. The nets aren't supposed to work during the day. During the day, the fish aren't up near the surface. They're down deep. They like it cool. And then at night, they come up to eat. And so then it's easier to get them. And you can use these bigger nets, the linen nets. And they, can, they can't see it at night because it's dark, right? So Peter's like, this is the wrong time of day to be fishing. This isn't the way to do it. You're going to the deep water. Like all, the, all of this stuff is not how we're supposed to catch fish. And I want everyone to know. That this is your idea. Master, he says, you're the one in charge of the boat. Making it clear, deferring responsibility to Jesus. You're the one, so we're going to go and do this. Yeah, master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. We toiled all night and we took nothing. We worked all night. We used the nets that we were supposed to use. We did our best to catch fish that we were supposed to catch. 
We're professionals. We know what we're doing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. But hey, because it's you and I've seen you do some crazy things, I'll put the nets in the water. I'll humor you. I don't think this is going to work, but I'll do it. And what happens? The nets get loaded, right? Like just all the fish. So much so that they got to call in another boat. Like his friends, his partners, get out here, we're sinking. So they come out, they fill up both boats. They're still looking at sinking. How does Peter respond in this situation? Unlike the people we studied the last two weeks, unlike the people of Nazareth and Capernaum, Peter doesn't try to figure out how to keep Jesus around how to manipulate him into continuing to bless him with fish. I mean, think about it. This is, this is Peter's livelihood. He just caught a ton of fish when fishing was supposed to be bad. How awesome would it have been in Peter's shoes to enlist Jesus as part of his crew? Man, you don't even have to do any of the manual labor. You just tell us when and where, and you fill those nets up, and we'll be good. We're all going to make a killing off of this. That's how Capernaum and Nazareth viewed the ministry of Jesus in their towns. But Peter doesn't look at Jesus as a means to personal blessing. He looks at Jesus and he sees his doubt. And he feels like that doubt disqualifies him from even being around Jesus. Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. You shouldn't even be around me. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Because I didn't believe you. I thought this was going to be an embarrassment. I made sure everyone knew that this was your idea. I spoke it loud and clear so that when we didn't catch anything, so that when the nets came up empty, it would be clear that I wasn't the one to blame. I'm a professional. I couldn't look bad. And since I thought I knew better, I just willingly threw you under the bus. I don't deserve to even be in your company. Leave me. Find someone more worthy. Find someone who won't doubt. Find someone who won't doubt in you. Can any of us relate to Peter? We often hear about doubting Thomas. I think that guy gets a bit of a bad rap. How about doubting Peter? Can any of us relate to doubting Peter? How often do we look at Jesus but are blinded by our own doubt? Can you really do this, God? Do you really think it's possible for the gospel to melt that heart of stone? That it's possible for someone who has told me repeatedly they want nothing to do with the church or Christianity to do a 180, to come around. And speaking of the church, do you think that's possible? Can you really revive this church? Can you really bring it back from the brink of death and turn it into a thriving body once more? How about hardship and pain? Can you really use this hardship? Can you really use this time of grief, this losing of a loved one for your glory? I have a hard time picturing how that is possible or really even fair, to be honest. So how does this work, God? Is it truly possible? 
And can you really forgive me? I've sinned in some pretty horrific and shameful ways. I have thought things that would bring me to the depths of embarrassment if anyone found out. I've done things I don't want anyone to know about because they would think of me differently if they knew. But you know. You know all that I have done, all that I have seen, all that I have thought. You know all that I will do, that I will see, that I will think. Really forgive me for all of that? How could you? Can any of us relate to Peter? Doubting not only if God can forgive us, but doubting that he would want to, for we have done so much to offend him, so much to hurt him, so much to make it so clear that we are not worthy. Can any of us relate to Peter when he hangs his head, turns to Jesus and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. If you've ever had these doubts and fought these doubts, our text this morning has very good news for you. Because Jesus didn't depart from Peter. He didn't leave him. He didn't say, you're right, Peter, I deserve better. Even though he did deserve better. Instead, he told Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Now, I'm sure Peter had no real idea of what Jesus was saying here. Catching men seemed kind of like an awkward way to start a relationship, especially when you factor in that Peter was used to catching things with nets. But we know that Jesus isn't putting together a crew to go out kidnapping. Like, that's not what we're doing here. He was recruiting disciples. And they would be catching people, catching souls for the Lord. I imagine it must have been something for Peter as the scope of the mission that Jesus called him to began to sink in. It started on a day when the nets were so full of fish they were threatening to break. This was the ministry of Peter. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the proclamation of the gospel, the Lord would use him to win so many souls, the nets would be threatening to break and the ships threatening to sink. What a ministry Peter the doubter had. And it's not like he overcame his doubt there once and for all. This is the same Peter who denied knowing Jesus, denied him three times in the night of of Jesus' trial before his crucifixion. You think Jesus didn't know Peter would deny him? You think standing on the beach with Peter that day on the banks of the lake of Gennesaret, that Jesus didn't know that Peter would have doubts and fears that he would succumb to them at times? Jesus knew. He knew about Peter just as he knows about each of us. And he still called Peter, still used Peter, just as he longs to use each of us. God calls us and uses us despite our doubts. He knows that there will be times that we fail, but he loves us, has forgiven us, And he calls us anyway. It's also important to know that we cannot steal or tarnish 
His glory. Just as our actions do not increase the greatness of God, our actions do not diminish the greatness of God either. Our doubt does not make Him less trustworthy. Our sin does not make Him less good. Our hate does not make Him less loving. This is the God who takes the good things that happen and He takes the bad things that happen and He uses all of them for His glory. He will be glorified. He is God. There's just no other way. So as we fail, let us not bury the evidence, but take the cue from Peter and repent. Let us lean on the forgiveness of the Father, admit the flaws and the failings, the sins that we have committed, for we know that he is faithful and just and will forgive us. He will not hold it against us. He has taken our actions, our thoughts, our fears, and our doubt. And he has removed them. They are as far from us as the east is from the west. And he has removed them from his perfect memory. They do not need to be a stumbling block in our relationship with God. Our doubt does not disqualify us, for Jesus is our qualification. Let us rest in the forgiveness of our loving and gracious God as we answer his call to join him on his mission to bring about his kingdom. Amen.